Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I am so, so excited to have today's guest on the podcast, and I know you will be as well, especially if you're around my age, because this person was catapulted to fame and definitely into my heart in 2002 when she won Big Brother. I Weirdly, I definitely watched you live on E4, probably like 24 hours a day. I was obsessed. <laughs> um, she's a huge personality, an amazing presenter. She's on Virgin Radio currently. She has a podcast that I absolutely loved called Maybe Baby, where she kind of talked about whether she wanted children or not, which for me was such an amazing and like revolutionary thing to listen to as someone who actually never even considered wanting children until I met Tom. She was on MTV's Celebrity Bumps, Famous and Pregnant, which is actually really jokes because I remember when it came out, I was pregnant. <laughs> I was like, oh, FOMO. But yeah, I loved your whole experience. You're hilarious, honest on social media. And I think everyone can agree that we have laughed and cried with her on her motherhood journey um, to her daughter, Noah, who's now one, almost one. Um, and she became a mum in her 40s. There's so much I want to talk to her about. And mainly the fact that I've had four hours sleep. I say because of her, it's because of Alf, but because of her, I was very lucky to get a copy of her new book and it was on PDF and I hate reading on my phone. So I was like, let me just flick through it because I won't read it all because I, I like I can't deal with reading on a phone. I read the whole thing. I went to bed at one and Alf was up at four. It is amazing. Yay. It's Kate Lawler. Hello, Ashley. Oh my God, what an intro. And I'm so sorry for keeping you up all night. Four hours sleep, you must be knackered. I Like knackered, but I, I do feel like I have to blame Al for that because he has started getting up at 4.30 every day, but um, we're working on it and he is doing very well with sleep. Like it, it's only in the last couple of weeks he started going down to bed at seven. Like before that, it was 11 p.m. So just to get my evenings back has made such a difference wow. for like my sense of self and getting to watch TV again after not watching TV for a year. Like, so, um, but honestly, your book, um, I actually messaged you last night, didn't I? When I was on like page 168, I was like, page 168. It was like midnight. Go to sleep, Ashley, go to sleep. <laughs> Ashley, don't carry on reading my book. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's, it's so brilliant. And it's also the first time that I've heard someone vocalize the depths of darkness that they went to, that I went to. And it's interesting because, um, you said that, you know, 
I find it really hard to talk about because I feel like when you say it out loud, it sounds so like extreme and like, oh my goodness. But you, you talked about the fact that you haven't discussed it online, but you were having like suicidal thoughts. And mm. I know we're getting straight in with the dark stuff, but I, I felt very suicidal from when Alf was about six months to about 11 months. And I would obsess over these like suicidal thoughts of maybe I should just go upstairs and hang myself. And actually, no, if I do that, then I leave out after that mum. I can't leave him that mum. Like, and I would, it was like this weird thing that I'd go over and over and over. And I, I felt like I couldn't talk about it. So to see it written down and to know that someone else went through it is awful as it is. Like, I just found so much comfort in it. And I sat last night awake, like just thinking about every, all the topics that you raised. I'm so sorry you went through that as well. And I'm sure you and I are not, the, we won't be, we will definitely not be the first or last people to have had those thoughts in early motherhood. And I genuinely did not think that to feel as low as I did, despite in, you know, all the years of kind of not wanting a child and being ambivalent for so long and then sort of considering it and then being fully into and embracing being pregnant. And I just, I just assumed that I would really, really enjoy those first few months because there is a, a kind of, it's a misconception, but there is so much pressure on you to enjoy those first few months because of what everyone told you about this newborn bubble that you then sort of start to ask yourself, what newborn bubble? Like, I'm not in a newborn bubble at the moment. Will it ever come? For me, it didn't. Um, and I'm sure for so many women, it is blissful happiness and just such a wonderful time, those early days where you're just spending time with your partner and the baby. But for me, that never happened. And I was so confused and so racked with guilt because of the feelings that I had. And also in shock because the pregnancy had been such a great pregnancy. I was really lucky to not have any serious side effects. I had all the side effects that come with pregnancy, but I was, I was prepared for those and I made light of them. But I really did think that I would enjoy the, the newborn days like everybody told me I would. And you know how, you, you know, when you're pregnant, a lot of mothers will tell you, oh, enjoy those newborn days because they fly by so quickly. And when they get to toddlers, I mean, Russell Kane on my podcast, the first series, told me how much he loved the newborn days and how much he, he struggled as soon as she turned into a psycho toddler. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I was, I was in shock that I was even having these thoughts. And I found it so difficult, despite being a really open person on Instagram, I found it so hard to express myself and in that way and, and talk about a feeling so, so low, but because, because I guess most of the time on Instagram, I am very upbeat and despite anything going wrong in my life, I'll always make a joke out of it. So that was one thing I struggled with talking about. And for some reason, um, I've never really been able to talk about taking medication on, on social media either. I find that really uncomfortable talking about and sharing. I just, I don't know why I just do. So um, those are the two topics I didn't really share, but it is just, it's so common. And I think that was one of the reasons I really felt like I wanted to write the book because there are women who have got reached out since I've said I'm writing the book. And since I've been on quite honest and open about my journey with Noah so far, and they've told me that back in their day, these are mothers with children who have gone and fled the nest and gone to university and now grown up and maybe even have children of their own. And these are mothers who have said, I felt like that back in the day, but there was nobody I knew that was telling me that was normal. And that's what I want to do is kind of normalize the feelings that can come with being a new parent. And I'm sure there are, there are books out there who, you know, that have discussed postpartum psychosis and postnatal depression, but I just want to keep that conversation going like you have as well on your social media, which is great, Ashley. 
it's funny because I, I feel like I know you because I, I, I you're right you're like, you are you're so open on social media and you're really good at being very funny I feel like I'm just so dry <laughs> so it's like it's yeah, no. joy, but I think that's why it's such a good book because yeah you're right there are other books out there but I found myself um you know in the middle of the night googling is it normal to hate motherhood is it normal to regret motherhood? And I, I actually read some books that were so controversial when they came out, but they were like studies about um, women who hated motherhood. And by the way, I'm so pleased to say that I am now loving motherhood, but this has only been in the last two weeks. I feel like when Alf turned one, it was like a light bulb moment. And we actually went to um, Mauritius at the end of the year. And to be honest, like we couldn't really afford it. It was very last minute, but and I knew that there would be like a sense of like, oh, you're on holiday again. But I, I knew I needed it for my mind because I was scared about what would happen if we went back into another lockdown because there was that, all that talk of course, wasn't there around yeah. Christmas and like, yeah. another lockdown. And Tommy had his last bit of paternity leave to use up and I was like, I, ca- I can't. Oh, like, I don't blame you. I'm scared myself of what will happen. And I feel like since then... I just love everything. Like, but for anyone listening, I just want to kind of give hope that it can get better and I hope it gets better. I remember following your journey really closely because Noah's born on the 7th of February. She's, yeah, she's the 11th. She was early, but she was due on the 22nd, but she's, yeah, the 11th. Um, and Alf is the 9th of Jan. And similar to you, I'd never, I'd never ever wanted children. And to be honest, like, in the dark days, I was angry at friends because when I first got pregnant, it was so weird, but, and it's awful to say now, but I never even considered that the option was to keep him or keep it as it was at the time. And we were in the middle of lockdown and I found out I was pregnant and it honestly did not cross my mind. I rang, I rang my friend who's got two kids and she knew straight away. And um, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, all the abortion places are closed and I hate even saying it now because now I know it's out it's like a horrible thought to think but um of course but I remember her saying you know that you could you could keep you could keep it and I was like me I'm too young you're like you're, you're 33 <laughs> I was like oh okay and I think maybe because I didn't get that chance to mull it over like you know you had you had your podcast maybe baby like you got to discuss it with people and I felt like with me I was like well how bad can it be no one regrets motherhood and that might have been part of the reason that I struggled so much because I hadn't really done my due diligence. And I'd, maybe I then started to really think like, oh my God, like maybe I, I would have been happier. It's really hard still for me to dissociate what, how much of that was like lockdown and how much of that was having a baby. Because before lockdown, I was DJing like four nights a week. I was traveling around the world. Yeah. I, I kind of almost not blamed Alf, but I thought motherhood was what took that all away from me. But actually it was probably like the climate that we were living in. You're right. Yeah. How did you make the decision then to have Alf and not go the other way? Do you know what? It's so weird. I think once she put the thought in my head, because it's so weird to say, like stupid to say that it never crossed my mind, but it's like, you know, the other day I wanted to get my finger what's the word? This baby brain kind of measured. measured. And I said to Tommy, I couldn't quickly run into this ring shop with me because um, I need to get my finger measured to get this ring. And when we came and I got both of my middle fingers measured. And when we came out, Tommy was like, you're so weird. And I was like, why? He was like, well, I was right there. Like you could have got your ring finger like measured and I would have known your ring finger. And I was like, why do you, do you want, do you want to know my ring finger? And he was like, well, obviously I don't now. And he was like, I just thought you might have because I was there. And I was like, if, if you want to marry me, I'll tell you my ring thing. Like, I don't know, it just, things just don't, that, like marriage and, marriage and babies have never been like 
on, on your radar. And then once seed was planted, and actually I didn't tell Tom straight away, and I, it was kind of like annoying because I had to wait for pregnancy tests to get delivered because obviously it was lockdown. So oh my I, goodness. I was waiting for these like pregnancy tests from Amazon. Seeing his reaction made me feel really excited, and it was almost like I went from zero to hero so quickly and then it felt like mm. the best. it felt like fate and like oh my god the universe has taken the decision out of my hands and this was always how it's meant to be and I must have been like the most annoying pregnant person because I I was like <laughs> I felt like I'd been like blessed by mother nature and I was just like this is amazing I love it so much and actually in the newborn stage I'm that person that you described that you envy because I was just like wow like this is amazing. I love every moment of it. And I, he slept on me like for three months. Like I wasn't interested in routines. I wasn't interested in what anyone else was doing. And I feel like he gave me this like sense of, he was like my purpose at a time when everything else kind of got taken away with lockdown. And I, I loved him so much, which is also why I was so devastated when I was kind of at the same time seeing what you were going through. Mm. And then it got to four months and I don't know if like the exhaustion caught up with me or the fact we opened, lockdown opened to get like mm-hmm. the world opened again. And I realized like, Oh my God, like life has really changed. I'd also moved out of London to Essex, which I never thought I would have done. <laughs> and I think then I was just like, Oh my God, shit. And then I just spiraled and I was seeing that everyone else, it felt get a grip on things. Like, so even people who had struggled in the beginning, it was like, mm-hmm. they seemed to get a hang of it. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, and also people forget, don't they? In the newborn stage, I feel like people are still quite mindful because it's a new experience and they know to ask, are you okay? Yes. Are you getting sleep? Would you like some cooked food? But gradually those offers stop, obviously, because yeah, you're getting on with it and you're supposed to be getting on with it. Yeah. People expect you to have like, figured it out a bit. And if mm. you're not enjoying it, I felt like a lot of shame around that because nobody really wants like, are you, are you, are you loving being a mom? And in my head, I was like, no. There's so much. I still think it's such a taboo subject to say that you are not enjoying it. And I like, I just want to say as well, before I carry on talking about how much we've not enjoyed the first year or how hard we found it is that I love Noah to pieces and I am so lucky to have her. And I, I feel grateful that I've been blessed with a healthy child. And there's not one moment that's ever passed where I felt like I couldn't bond with her or I didn't love her. But I still think it is quite a taboo subject in saying that you don't enjoy being a mum, no matter what age that is. But thankfully, I do think we're turning a corner and we're seeing more mums being very open and very honest about the realities of parenthood. Dads as well, about how hard it is and how it's not all what you see on Instagram. And I think social media has a huge part to play in, you know, people's recent decisions to try for a baby because it feels like everyone's having a baby. And there might be a little bit of a baby boom going on, but I also feel like it's quite a dangerous place, Instagram, especially when you see the grid and you see people, new, new mums and new dads and family photos, even when children are older as well about, you know, you just see snapshots of people's lives and photographs of everybody looking blissfully happy, happy, but it's not necessarily how it is. Like, for example, if I look back at my my Instagram grid over the first six months of Noah's life, the grid actually looks like I was having an okay time. I look at the pictures I posted and I wasn't, I'm not really one for posting a picture of me looking like dog shit on the grid. I just don't do it. I save that for stories. It's like Insta versus reality. These stories are reality. Insta is just Mm -hmm. kind of like me out and about with Noah in her sling. But 
let other people know that I took ages to get her in the sling and she didn't really like being put in it. But then eventually I managed to get it. And then I spent the whole time panicking that she was, she couldn't breathe in the sling. And I was worried that she wasn't even comfortable or whatever. And then I, I asked Bob to take a photo of me and then that looks like I'm really happy in that moment. But I think people need to understand that parenthood is tough. It's tiring. It can make you really unwell mentally. It can make you unwell physically that you pour your, you pour so much of your soul into it. And at the beginning, you don't get anything back. Obviously you've got this beautiful baby and you can't stop staring at him or her. And, and when they start to smile, you do get more back, but it's just such a complex job. And there is just so many parts to it that I never expected. And you can read all the books and you can listen to the podcasts and you can listen to all your friends' stories and observe with, you, you know, your parents being mums and dads and when you're not and thinking, hmm, yeah, I suppose it looks okay, but nothing can prepare you until you have your own child for what it's really like and just how hard it can be. And I also don't want to scare people either because there are so many women who enjoy that newborn phase and enjoy the first year. One of the friends I have on Instagram who I've never met, but we're just, we're just friends. She said, just from what I know, any woman who's struggled in the first year will actually really enjoy the toddler phase. Um, because she said, from what I, from, from, from my experience, if you really enjoy the newborn phase, you tend to not enjoy the toddler phase as much. So I mean, I'm living in hope that I'm turning a corner and I'm about to enjoy this next phase. And I am enjoying Noah so much more now that she's attempting to talk and she has more of a personality and she's becoming more independent. Um, but it's still tough. Like she started getting up super early and we've had a week of no sleep. And we've actually had a really good run up until now because ever since I can remember, Noah has slept so well um, through the night and we've not really had that many issues apart from when she had her dummy and we had to take it away. But um, just recently we've gone through the worst sleep deprivation. And so I feel like I've gone back, you know, to the newborn days a little bit. I got a bit upset on Sunday, but I was on my period as well. I've been out on Friday night. I'd had a lot to drink. It was a bit of a <laughs> down. There was a lot of reasons why I was probably feeling like shit. I think the book especially is just, I want to make, make women aware and men that it can be really hard and you shouldn't believe everything you see on Instagram. It's such a hard one, isn't it? Because I remember when I was pregnant and I don't know how you found it on social media, but I would, I call them the just you waits. It's like any joy I experienced, <laughs> people would be like, just you wait. Or like, so true. I was like, I'm going to get my nails done or I'm going out today and I was wearing heels. Oh, enjoy wearing heels because you won't be able to wear them for 18 years or just you wait until you can't get your nails done. And I remember being like, fuck off everyone, like stop shitting on my joy. And also that like, <laughs> I know it will be hard. Obviously I didn't know how hard, but all, I think what's, it's a really hard one because I'm really mindful. I even had it last night when I talked about, I thought it was really encouraging and positive because I was like, I've been through this like terrible dark time and now I'm enjoying it again. But I don't think I was prepared for the fact that, for example, people saying, enjoy getting your nails done. I remember like being like, well, obviously Tommy can look after Alf for an hour. So I'll be yeah. able to get my nails done. Like, yeah. but I didn't think about the fact that that hour of the day or two hours that Tommy can maybe have him. I might have like loads of other shit to get done before getting my nails done. Yes. So the nails are almost like mm -hmm. not the priority anymore, but I hate the fact that people put their negative experiences onto new mums or pregnant people because mm -hmm everyone's experience is so different. It's like even me and you, like your newborn's experience so was so different to mine. And then I feel like you said you turned a corner around seven months. So I was in, I was in like the depths of despair around seven months. And I, I it's hard because I don't want to like scare people who follow me. It's, you know, so somebody messaged me last night saying, I've um, gone through fertility and I'm now pregnant and I'm sick to death of seeing mums focus on the shit parts. 
like just enjoy it. You have to be mindful because it's like, I'm so happy for anyone. My friends actually just had twins and she's been on a huge fertility journey. She moved, oh, wow. she moved back up North and cause they had to sell their house to afford the, the IVF and amazing but she is finding it hard and she said to me it's really interesting because she had IVF she feels like she's not allowed to complain because she wanted it so much I love seeing people who are open about their journey because it made me feel like less of a shit person for not enjoying bits of it I think you're right though you know your friend who's had IVF and now she feels like she can't say how hard it is I think whether regardless of whether you've had IVF or not I think if you are a woman and you long to have a child, I think there is also a bit of a, oh, I've wanted this for so long. I've dreamt of being a mum for all these years. I've finally met the right person. I've been trying for a baby and now I'm pregnant. I, I feel like I can't complain. But actually, like we complain as human beings, we complain about everything. We complain about our jobs. We complain about our partners. We complain about the food that's not right in the restaurant. Like we're allowed to complain about our kids if we want to. And I don't think that anyone should feel like they can't complain because they've perhaps been on a tough fertility journey. If you are finding it hard, then you need to either speak out about that because it's actually what I've learned from being a parent is that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. I've never, my mental health is, you know, it's it's one of those things I've just kind of always put on the back burner. I'm always like, I'll just go to the gym. It'll be fine. But actually when you're a parent, especially I mean, everyone's mental health is super important, but when you're a parent, especially because you are responsible now for another human being and there's so much mum guilt about, you know, oh, I don't want the baby to see me crying or I don't want the baby to grow up with a depressive mother and stuff like that. But it's so important that you speak about how you feel. And if you need help physically, mentally around the house with whatever, you've just got to ask for it. I found it so difficult to ask for help about, you know, on a number of things that was just, you know, asking Bodge for help or asking if we could get help with maybe a night nanny once a week, just so I could get a decent night's sleep because we were in lockdown and my mum wasn't able to come and stay because she wasn't in my bubble. Um, and I got so much flack for that as well. You know, I was really honest about having a nanny, a night nanny once uh, we had a two to two nights a week. And this was when I was really struggling and I'd, I'd reached rock bottom and Bodge was like, enough is enough. We have to get help your parents are not in our bubble, so we're going to pay for it. And, you know, if it was Bodge's mum coming to stay over twice a week, no one would bat an eyelid. But because we paid for it, I felt like I was getting such, like, such a hard time, which I thought was completely unfair because no one would say anything if it was your mum coming to stay or you, or someone else coming to stay over. But because we paid for it, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be honest as well because I don't want, as a, I feel like as an influencer or someone in the public eye, you have a responsibility to be honest if you are getting help, I think, because otherwise you're then kind of like getting sleep and looking like you're doing all right. People are like, well, she's getting on all right, but they don't know that you're not having help. Do you know what I mean? This is such an important point because I know people, um, influencers or celebrities, whatever you want to call them. And they, I know like a lot of them have like full-time nannies and great, good for them, but they don't talk about it because it's that worry that, you know, it's not relatable or whatever. But I, similar to you, I have, I have, well, I have a nanny that comes like five hours twice a week, but that was the only way I was able to get my work done because also I was breastfeeding at the time. So I, he, he wouldn't have been able to leave the house and we don't have family near enough to be able to help. And when I mentioned the word nanny, like I didn't know there was like stigma and shame and all of that around like 
the word nanny and there was so much like oh well it must be nice for you like I prefer to raise my child myself and I remember like feeling so yes I'm very fortunate that I could have a nanny five hours ten hours a week but also like I envied people that got to go back to work yeah there's such there's huge judgment sorry to interrupt you it just bugs me that like you're if if your mum's looking after Alf five hours a day no one would say anything because you paid for it it's like, well, I'd love to, you know, be able to afford a nanny. It's like, but that person's probably got their mum or their dad or someone else helping. Like, it's so common to have your parents helping out and, or, you know, having, having at least some form of childcare. I just think that the, sh- the shame should stop. Like, if you're in a financial position where you can afford to have some help, then you should be getting it because we are trying to do everything we want to do now as women. We're trying to work as well as having the job of a mum. And if you just want to be a mum and you want that to be your only job, that's great. And I actually wish that I'd actually focused on that a bit more when Noah was born. I wish I'd just focused on the job of being a mum because I probably wouldn't have spiralled as much as I, I did. You know, it's I was really naive to think that motherhood wasn't a full-time job before I had Noah, but it is a full-time job. And until you have a kid, you don't really understand that. My twin sister always used to have full-time mum on her Facebook page. I used to laugh at her. I feel really bad about that now. I'd be like, full-time mum, what do you do? Take your kids to the... I was so out of order to her and I feel really bad for saying that, but you don't realise how much goes into just parenting even one child. There's just so much to think about. So I applaud anyone who decides to get help, however that may be, whether that's family members, friends, a doula, a nanny. You've got to do what works for you and you, you shouldn't be ashamed into doing that. Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small you can find us wherever you got this podcast just search push your peak hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. 
Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the presumption of heterosexual couples, but dads aren't asking each other like, oh, you've got help, because it's just almost presumed that it's the mums at home and it's such an unfair assumption. And, you know, if you want to stay at like home and be a full-time mum, like, I think you're amazing because I couldn't do it. And hats off to anyone. And like you, I probably did judge before I was a mum. Like I didn't realise the work and... I mean, you literally don't, you don't get a day off. Like that's what I learned when I have COVID as well. I was like, can someone take this baby so I can just be ill and watch Netflix? Like how am I meant to feed and look after a child? I'm ill. It's not fair. Yeah. The judgment is real. And sadly with social media, I think it's um, amplified and everybody feels like they can have their opinion on what you do and why you do it and the decisions you make. But I've learned as well that you just have to accept that everybody is free to make their own choices and parent the way they want to. And I like I see things on Instagram. I see mums and babies or dads and babies doing things like, oh God, oh gosh, that looks dangerous. Or, oh, I wouldn't do that. But I never actually say it. It's like, and you feel yourself judging and you're like, but well, that's my opinion. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't probably be my three month old chip with gravy on it or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But you, you wouldn't start like the messages people receive is so out of order. Like I've had friends who are in the public eye and who've, you know, messaged me saying, I get so much shit, like for doing stuff wrong or doing, doing like, parenting in a way that they don't see is, um, is right. And I'm, I'm actually quite lucky because I don't get a lot of negativity on my page. I don't get a lot. I don't get a chance to read many of my DMS, but those I, those I get around to reading, I never really get any anything negative and anything I do, I just block immediately. And that's what I think you have to learn. But also, I just think the judgment needs to stop as well. And you just need to accept that people are putting themselves out there on social media and they're parenting in the way they want to. If you've got nothing nice to say, just don't say it. I mean, I didn't have a clue that I couldn't put a muslin over the pram when we went for a walk in the summer. And it was first thing in the morning, it was 9am, such a beautiful day. The sky was blue, the sun was bright. But we, because the sun was out, we put a muslin over the pram and I didn't realise actually that that's quite, it can be dangerous. I mean, my mum used to do it with us back in the day, but now it's because they can't breathe. It's not a breathable muslin. But people thought that we were walking at like 2 p.m. with the muslin over. So everyone was straight away. It was like, she's going to die. She's going to get like, she'll, it's too hot. You're going to suffocate her. Nobody had any idea. It's like nine in the morning and it was only over her for like 10 minutes. But still you learn that actually very quickly, oh, what can I post on social media? Like I have to think twice when I'm posting. Is there anything in this picture that would make anybody say, Kate, you're such a bad mum. I can't believe you've done that. Like I'm really like, is she sitting right? Is she holding anything incorrectly? And you, you kind of second guess yourself all the time. And you second guess yourself even when you're not putting yourself out there on social media. That's what else I found about being a mum. Like I'm constantly second guessing myself and asking if I've done the right thing or is she safe or is this right? Or can I feed her this? Is she going to choke? It's never ending. But it is getting better. Yeah, I find it really hard to like find the balance because people always complain that social media is like this fake positive, you know, like, oh, we need to see realness. But then when you kind of show realness, like people are like, oh, stop scaring, stop scaring people who are pregnant. And then I, I find I really struggle. Um, like, I mean, now that I'm in a better place, I'm actually like a lot better with what people say because I'm not as like, rocked by it but when you're in a terrible place and you kind of just want like a hug and people to like you and then you go online and someone's like you're going to kill your child and I'm like oh god so Please bad but I find it really hard to share my journey and what I'm going through without like so for example when I was going through like breastfeeding 
and all the challenges that entailed, I always felt like I had to be like, but obviously bottle feeding is okay. But like, of course, bottle feeding is okay. My sister bottle feeds like, but it's this like, assumption that when you talk about something that you would or wouldn't do, that you're therefore judging people that do it or not. And I find that like such a hard thing to navigate, which you don't have to do on social media before you're a mum. There's something about motherhood, maybe because we are all just like sleep deprived maniacs that take everything personally and like are jealous of everyone else's wins I don't I don't know but it's a hard yeah I think the I I think the opinions of when you have a a child like there are just so many aren't there everybody has an opinion so it's great because if you want advice I always go to social media because I feel like oh this is where I'll get some good advice but in the same breath if you you know, like when you say oh, you're pregnant, you're like, everyone's like, oh, just the Just You Wait Brigade. Oh, enjoy your sleep now because you're not going to get any. Like, yes, they are right <laughs> in some ways. But I would never say that to somebody who just fell pregnant. Like you learn, don't you, very quickly, like what's okay and what's not okay. I remember you messaging me actually when I said I was sleeping really badly when I was pregnant. You might not remember this because you would have been, having, you would have, yeah, you would have just had Alf. But I was saying it was very near the end. And I was like, I'm sleeping so badly. Like, I can't actually wait till Noah to get it because I genuinely think that I'll sleep better. And everybody was just like, you won't, you won't, you won't. And you were like, I actually slept better when Alf came. I'm sure it was you who sent me this. And so don't let everybody scare you. Yeah. And I was thinking, yes, that's great because people do tend to scare you. Sadly, it didn't work out for me. And I did, I did sleep quite badly at the beginning. But I think there are things you, you just don't say to someone who's pregnant. I'm really careful. So actually one of Tommy's friends has just had a baby and they are in like the total newborn bubble of bliss times a thousand. And all I've said is that I'm so happy you're happy. If there's anything that you ever like get worry about or any like challenges, maybe I can help like come and find me. And I feel like that's so much more helpful to know people are there if you need it as opposed. And, I, and even social media, like I, I've loved social media. I feel so lucky. Like, for all the shit that I've gone through, everything I've shared, I felt like I've got a community of people because actually like I don't have a lot of friends out in Essex and I and and I haven't had a lot of friends going through what I'm going through at the same time and without social media, like and that network of mums like up in the night with me, like it's been amazing. Oh, you're so right. It's um for all its faults, um I like I wanna thank everybody who's ever reached out to me on social media because I tell you what, those night feeds where you are sleep deprived and you feel like you're being tortured, just to get through it with anyone who's awake is incredible because you can't just ring your mum at 3am. You can't just text your friend who's also not, not gone through it at the same time as you. But you, there is always an army of women there awake doing the same thing or whether it's whether that's with a newborn or a one-year-old or a five-year-old. And so many parents reached out in those newborn days and it just got me through it, got me through it, even though... I felt like I wasn't getting through it, if you know what I mean. There was the company that was there and the, the support and the positivity and the laughs. Some of the stuff I used to post, um, like, for example, when I was like, I had a bit of snot dribbling down my face and I couldn't sniff because every time I went, no, I would wake up. And I was like, what have you done to not make your child wake up? And there were so many funny responses, which I put in the book, actually, because and it just I was laughing my head off. And Bodge was like, was she laughing the other night? last night in the nursery I was like yeah but I was trying not to laugh but I also think I'm going back to your point about being helpful when people have just had babies like my friend's just given birth she's had a beautiful boy and um she put on the group that she was off home after like a really long labor and um quite an intense birth 
And all the girls were like, enjoy your newborn bubble. This is the best bit. And I was obviously thinking to myself, what newborn bubble? But I was, again, I'm not going to say, you're going to find this hard. This is hell. I just messaged her privately. I didn't put it on the group. I just said, hey, babe, I really hope you enjoy your your newborn bubble. And if there's anything, um, but don't worry if it doesn't happen. And if there's anything you need, if you want to call me at 3am, my phone's on loud. If you need anything at all, if you're struggling, I'm here just in case you need me, but I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, because I just, I don't want the, I feel like there's just this bit of pressure for women to kind of, oh, there's a newborn bubble, which I'm going to experience now. And if it doesn't happen, that's what happened with me. And I was thinking to myself, why hasn't it happened for me? And like, what's wrong? Like, why, why didn't I get that newborn bubble? I think as we were in and out of hospital for a few weeks, maybe that's why it didn't happen. Maybe if we'd just gone home and been at home, it would have happened. But yeah, I just, I wanted to let my friend know that it's fine if it doesn't happen, but um, hopefully it will happen because I think so many women went through the same thing as me. Cause I think I spoke about the whole newborn bubble thing on Insta and a lot of mums reached out saying I was exactly the same. And I didn't actually feel like I was at home enjoying any, anything. It was just, it was, it just went from bad to worse. And those newborn days just... My sister was the same, to be fair, and she was at home. She wasn't in and out of hospital. And she, like, I was so worried about her. And, you know, she had, like, latching difficulties and she was putting so much pressure on herself to breastfeed. And I think because I, um, like, breastfed that she felt like I would judge her. And I was like, I'm not going to judge you. Oh, my God, like, we were all formula fed and we're fit and healthy. I think there is, like, of course, like, Oh, I don't know, but she had such a, a tough newborn phase. Um, and then they just start to thrive around like four or five months. And that's when I like kind of dipped and went in despair. And- it's everyone's experience is so unique, isn't it? I think breastfeeding is such a big part to play in why people feel down. Like, I mean, you went through it a lot in the later stages, didn't you, with Alf biting and stuff. But I think breastfeeding is such a complex thing. And we all like there, there is this pressure and there isn't like, I, I feel like no one ever really put huge amounts of pressure on me to breastfeed, but you even just a comment can feel like pressure, right? Like my mom was telling me to formula feed as soon as I had issues. Bodge's mom was like, you have to breastfeed, breast is best. She really like, that's what I did. And breast is best. So even just that comment, and she doesn't mean it in any, she doesn't really mean to be negative, but you just feel like, oh, this is the most natural thing a mum can do. Like there's milk coming out of my boobs. It should be really easy. And when it doesn't happen, you just, it's really, really hard to let go if it's not working. It's just, you know, everyone tells you how hard, and I talk about this in the book, how hard it is to breastfeed, but no one tells you how hard it is to stop. I really didn't want to stop. And I know you didn't either. You just, you feel so close when you're breastfeeding and it's really hard when your time, however that, however long it lasts, comes to an end, whether that's a day, a week, a fortnight, a year, two years, I can totally relate to any mom who has to stop and they don't want to because it was a magical time when Noah was breastfeeding from me. And I just, it was so easy as well. <laughs> it was really easy when it was easy. Like I'd just get my boob out and she'd feed and there'd be no sterilizing and no pouring milk and doing all this and no expressing. Um, but it just, it can, fuck with you mentally it really can do you know what I think if I'd have stopped breastfeeding sooner I would have felt myself again sooner and it was this weird trap because I kind of really I, I, I felt like at the time I only really enjoyed breastfeeding because that was when I felt the closest to Alf and because I hated like a lot of motherhood and you know I don't I don't enjoy like sat singing songs like, on repeat and I find a lot of it quite boring but I loved breastfeeding and I was so scared what would happen 
if I stop breastfeeding? Because then I was like, will I, will I feel a bond? Will I, will I like any of this? Um, but because I did it for so long, I felt like I didn't get any of my life back. Like Alf was, you know, was sleeping next to us in the bed and feeding every 30 minutes, um, which obviously meant that like Tom and I weren't like, well, I mean, intimate, but all like doing normal coupley things. We weren't able to go out on dates because Alf was always on the boob and I, I wasn't like going and seeing friends. So I was feeling really isolated and I kind of felt like lots of other mums were, I mean, and, and again, this is like why we shouldn't compare social media because you see other people's highlights as we've both said, but I was seeing everyone else that felt like they were getting their lives back to normal. And I was still like sat at home with my boob out, just like still on the boob. It's like, why do we do it? But you're right. I think, you, I mean, you, you might not be right, but I, you're right. You might have felt more like yourself. I certainly did. And as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, I felt like I got a bit of my life back. But you can you learn from your experiences. And the thing is, only you can stop when you want to. Like you can't ever think to yourself, oh, God, maybe if I had just stopped sooner, I wouldn't have been so down because you have to go through that. Lots of people told me about post-weaning depression. So that's when obviously you can get really low when you stop breastfeeding. And I was terrified of that. Because bear in mind at the time I was having these like suicidal ideations. I was like, I can't afford to get any lower. Like what the fuck? Like what am I going to do? But actually I think I might've had a bit of post-weaning depression when I started weaning because obviously I was still feeding him, but not as much. And I think it was keeping me in this like weird stage I struggled so much with that mum identity and, you know, this permanence of the choice that I'd made, probably especially because I'd never dreamt of having a baby. That The moment I stopped and for anyone that's worrying about it, like when you are ready or when your baby is ready, like I felt so much better. And again, like everyone's experience is different, but uh, yeah, I, I I feel so much happier now and I still have that amazing bond with Alf and I kind of wish some, but again, we I say I wish someone had said that, but then I'm also like, fuck off with your advice. Yeah, <laughs> no. Your experience. I, I, I always, I said to myself, I'm going to look back and think, oh, do I regret it? Like not stopping breastfeeding sooner when it was such a struggle, but I don't because I went, I wanted to just push on and just try as hard as I could. And it just, it is what it is. You have to just go through the motions and you have to go through your experience and then look back at it and just think I did what I did. I did how much I could. And ultimately it isn't kind of our decision in the end. It is the baby. Like the baby will, will turn to the bottle or want the bottle more than the breast or the baby won't want the bottle, whatever. But as soon as I realized, you know what, it's not my decision to make. Noah prefers the bottle, just give her the bottle. And then when I did that, the first few feeds, I felt sad because I wasn't breastfeeding, but I got over it so quickly. And we still have this magical bond. Like you said, it doesn't affect your bond, your relationship with your baby. A fed baby is a happy baby. And I definitely started to feel a lot better the moment I stopped breastfeeding. So I wouldn't, someone said to me, if you ever had another child, would you breastfeed again? And I said, of course I'd try. And they said, would you put as much pressure on yourself? And I'd like to say I wouldn't, but I know I would because it's just one of those things that just feels like such a, it's that maternal instinct. You just want to do it and you want, you want to be good at it and you want your baby to be good at it. But there's just so many moving parts that is really tricky to nail. And there's just, it's, there's no reason to feel bad or down if it doesn't work out, but I can totally relate to anyone who does feel like that because that's what I felt. I felt so sad that I couldn't do it and that Noah didn't want my boobs in that way. So yeah, I think you just have to live and learn, don't you? And I think it's so nice as well that like we can follow so many different like mums and dads on social media because we can see that everyone's on their like unique journey and most babies are happy babies like eventually, mm. <laughs> even if they're not. Yeah. 
for, for a period. Like, and I think that's what I love. Like people like you who are just so like honest and funny, even in like dark times, it's so, it's so nice. And hopefully people will realize that they can follow people and enjoy their experiences and their differences without it, meaning that they're criticizing anyone else's. Mm. But I'm so conscious of time because I actually, I've put Alf in childminders for his first full day today. Um, but I did want to talk to you about that before we go because I know that you were going to put Noah in nursery and then you, you cancelled it. I bottled it. it. Yeah, I bottled it. I was too scared. <laughs> and I know she probably would have been fine, but I had to go with my gut. And at the time I viewed four nurseries, I wasn't really feeling any of them. And then I went to this one and I really liked the ethos and I liked the fact that it was a forest school and the kids were all together. There wasn't a separate baby room and they all went to the garden twice a day. And I thought this was going to be great. And I had no reservations and I wasn't scared at all. And I'd planned what I was going to do on my first day of her at nursery. I was going to go to yoga. I was going to get my nails done. I was going to clean the loft windows and I was going to take the dogs out for brunch with my friend. And I was so excited. And then as soon as I did the settling in sessions, I freaked out and I felt like Noah just wasn't ready. She's a late crawler and she was just about crawling. But when she was in her puddle suit and her boots, she couldn't even get up. So she was on the ground trying to get up into a seated position in the garden and crying because she couldn't. I felt sorry for her. And then she got whacked on the head twice by a kid carrying a truck. And I thought if she can't even walk and there's kids that are walking around with all these, you know, one of them had a big telescope made of like 20 loo rolls, empty, sorry, kitchen roll holders, together and that was flying around and if she can't even move out of the way she's just like a sitting duck and she's just going to get doinked on the head loads and so my, I went into overdrive and then I saw a kid put a stone in his mouth and I thought to myself that could be her like the day before I did two settling in sessions and on the first day she put a cheerio in her mouth they were making little chains out of twigs and cheerios and I said to Bodge oh what if that cheerio was a stone and he said stop catastrophizing it was a cheerio she ate it so what and I said, yeah, but it could have been a stone. And he said, but it wasn't, was it? The next day it was a stone, but it wasn't her. And I said, see, things can happen. And I just freaked out thinking to myself, what if she put a stone in her mouth? What if she swallowed it? I just don't think she's robust enough to attend nursery yet. She's a late crawler. She was sitting down a lot. And, it, and for me, I just, I'd rather her go to nursery when she can stand and she can walk and she can just be a little bit more, I don't know. I, I will just feel that she's a bit more safe in that environment if anything was to happen it wouldn't be so bad. So we made the decision to just delay it by six months provisionally. And we're going to see where we are in six months. And I can see her going when she's two. I just don't think it will be any time before that. But I'm, pre I'm pleased because last, last week was the first week she should have gone. And instead of taking her to nursery, I took her to a parent and baby group and it was great. She went on the swings. She did some soft play. She did some singing in the circle. They played so many games. She was on like a trapeze thing. It was just amazing. She had a great day and we went home, we read books, we did some physical stuff. And I thought I can still give her all this stuff at home and I'm not going to be freaking out about it. But I realized that for some parents, you know, they have to put their children into nursery and I'm not saying it's a dangerous place. They do, they're looked after by professionals who do this every single day and it's fine, but my anxiety has got the better of me. And I just feel, I feel glad that we did it because I'm better mentally not sending her to nursery and being without her. So we're looking at childminder option as well, which you've got obviously. And I mean, look, you've got a whole day to yourself, which I'm sure you're very busy. You're working right now, but um, you must miss him because I can't imagine being away from her for a whole day. You know what? It's so funny because I, it's all I wanted was like just a little bit of time 
in the house to get work done without him around mm. and I've been so excited about it funny enough I actually tried to get him into nursery but I didn't realize there was big waiting list so I rang up on the Thursday like hello I'd like to inquire about the nursery it was like the best rated one in the area and they were like yeah when are you thinking of starting and I was like oh probably probably not for a couple of weeks and they were like <laughs> yeah it, it's September and I was like September he'll almost be two in September and I was like what oh my goodness and they were like, they were actually quite patronising. And I was like, I had no idea. Nobody told me. We didn't have any idea either. You don't have any idea until you know, right? Our doula told us. She was like, have you put, thought about nursery? She was like three weeks old and we laughed. We were like, no. And we still left it to last minute, even though we knew there'd be waiting lists. When when people would say things like that, I thought like, God, they're just like being uptight or something or like, relax, like there's time for that. I don't have to think about that yet. Turns out, guys, if you're listening and you want your kid to go to nursery, ring up, (laughs) do it now, don't delay. The day they're born, ring up. But I think it's also so important that you listen to like your instinct. And I got a really good instinct from this childminder straight away. And he's done a couple of settling in days and I've been there for a bit. And he's That's nice. And it's it's great. And I like how she is around him. He's actually the youngest, which like part of me is Aww. a bit sad that he doesn't have little friends, but it's, the kids are so cute with him. But today when I took him there, I could tell he was like he's teething and he was a bit under the weather. And I could just see that he was like not his best self like he I oh. could, like he was and he was like having little like cries and I did feel awful I was like I feel so bad for walking away but equally like I've made quite a lot of plans and I was just like I was like please please if he's upset I'll come straight back but I've just got a little video like of him that's like, lovely playing. it is nice but I do feel like it's it's what I wanted so much but this is like the paradox of motherhood isn't it like all I wanted was to feel a bit like me again. And now that I'm, I've reached this huge milestone where I get to feel a bit like myself again, I, I just want him again. <laughs> Babe, when I'm at work, when I'm on the radio, I ask Bodge to send me videos and photos of her because I miss her so much. And even though I'm desperate for a day to myself, I'm like, Bodge, can you please send me a picture of her in the bath? Because I miss her. And he's like, you literally saw her five hours ago. And I'm like, I know, but I miss her. And you do, you want to be with them all the time. But you, at the same time, you want to date yourself. I feel like that is it, isn't it? It's like learning what works for you because some people will be like perfectly happy seven days a week with their kids. But Mm. I feel like I like getting to miss him because there was a long period where I felt so trapped and I I felt like I couldn't think and I couldn't do anything. I prefer to be able to miss him. Yeah, I take my hat off to anyone who does the whole parenting thing only for five days a week and doesn't have any other job because I find it so hard on the day where I've got Noah from seven until seven with no help. That's on a Thursday. So on a Monday to Wednesday, I I have Bodger's mum coming over and we have a nanny one day a week so I can do the Virgin show, which is like meant to start at one, but I get home at eight. And um, and those days I kind of half with Noah. So in the morning I have her, but then on the Thursday when it's just me with Noah all day, I'm like, crikey, imagine doing this five days a week. I just, I, my head would explode. It's such a hard job just having them all day, every day. It's mad. But I think we're always going to have, you know, like you said, he's, he's not Alf, isn't his best self today at the childminders. But I think that it's going to be the same when they go to, to nursery and to school. They're always going to have little bad days where they've got, you know, an upset tummy or they're not very well or stuff like that. It's, we're just learning as we go, aren't we? It's weird to think that he might do firsts when I'm not there. 
yeah, that's I'll be, I'll be so mad. I'll be like, you bastard. I carried you for nine months. I fed you and you're doing all your first to someone else. I, I always think that when I'm at work. I'm like, she's going to do something when I'm at work and I'm going to miss it. But I'll just pretend that it was a first for me. That's what we can do. But it's, I'm really glad you've turned a corner because I feel like I'm getting there. And I always, do you find this? I, I always said that I hated, I hated, I struggled the most for the first six months. And then I said, when it got to seven months, I was like, oh, this month has been so much better. I'm turning a corner. But when I got to 10 months, I look back at seven to 10 months and I still felt like I was struggling then, despite feeling like I was getting, it was getting better. And now she's t- coming up to one. I think, crikey, even when I thought I was okay at 10 months, I don't think I really was. And it's only when you're coming out of it and you can look back and reflect, you think actually the whole first year has been a bit bit of a fucking nightmare if I'm honest with you like I've absolutely loved moments but it has just been the toughest year of my life I'm haggard I felt like I was in like this baby bubble bliss for the first three four months where I was like I can't believe I didn't love I think I even did podcasts and I'd love to listen to them back um, I know I did like Zoe Hardman and yeah. made my mama's podcast and I, I think Alpha's like a week or two old and I was like this is wow I'm so happy like everything's amazing and then um yeah I think four to eight or seven months I looked back and realized that I wasn't very happy but I was really I was like trying and I still was like really wanting to I knew I was in a funk like I mean when I was thinking about suicide and and it was almost like even doing this podcast I was like I hate that my world has become about being a mum but I have a mum podcast and I have to talk like it was almost like this like self-fulfilling prophecy that the more I hate motherhood but the more I talk about motherhood and and it, and now I know that there'll be like challenges and I know I'm sure the just you waits are sat here like, wow, wait till they get to two. And, but like, and I, it's almost like now I know that there'll be shit times ahead a hundred percent, but I feel like I'm a good mom and I'm okay with the fact that I didn't used to want kids. And now I have one and I don't feel like I've been robbed of my decision. Like yeah. I still think you can live an amazing child-free life, but I'm so happy that I'm a mom and I feel like I'm so happy to have mom friends and I'm so yeah. happy to get to do the bit of the old Ashley that I loved, but also I, I'm embracing being a mom. Whereas I think for a long time, it was that mother identity of like, I didn't even want to be a mom and now yeah. I'm a mom and I hate it. And I hate talking about mum things with mum people. Whereas now I'm like, it's great. And I fucking love it. And I love the fact I've made this like amazing sisterhood of people and that you can like relate and connect and it's amazing. Yeah, it's so true. I relate to everything you're saying. You just, you, you constantly talk about being a mum and being with a baby. It's really hard to go on a play date or just go for a coffee with another mum and their baby and not talking about, talk, talk about mum stuff. I try and do it. I try and, I've, I try and take the topic of conversation onto something else, but you always end up talking about your kids. <laughs> you always end up talking about being a parent. It just, it's one of those things. It just, it, it's such a huge part of your life now. And I'm the same as you. Like, I love the fact that I have Noah. And before I had Noah, everybody used to say, it's, I've had a quid for every time everyone said it. Everyone's like, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's the most enjoyable thing you'll ever do. And I used to be like, one more person says that to me. But I totally get it because it is so hard. But you just, and you love them so much. But sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? And then everyone goes, but you wouldn't be without them, would you? And you're like, of course not. If someone said to me, okay, this has all been an experiment. We can take Noah away from you now. You don't have to have her anymore. I'd be like, get your hands on my baby. No, like I couldn't imagine a world without her. But also I think it's perfectly normal to look back at your old life and miss it a little bit and miss the freedoms you had. And don't get me wrong. I think a lot of women still have, I mean, one of my mates, she's such a boss. She has two kids and she is always out. 
She's always out. She's always at dinners, at brunches, going to the pub. I mean, she just lives such a wild life and she still manages to keep her head screwed on. Whereas I just can't do it. I can't do it, Ashley. I went out on Friday night and went to bed at two. I'm still, I'm still recovering now. I can hear it in my voice. It's Monday. I'm just like, I'm not, I can't do it anymore. Like, and, and I, I don't want to do it anymore, but I kind of do. Do you know what I mean? You just constantly think to yourself, oh, I miss my old life. But there's so many things that I enjoy about being a mum. And I'm really pleased that I had Noah and I wouldn't change it for the world. But equally, I just, I'm always going to be I'm flying the child-free flag because I was so happy before I had Noah and I was definitely complete. And I didn't, I felt like I had a, I definitely felt like I had a purpose in more ways than one. And I don't think any woman should feel bad for not having children. And I think the judgment for women who don't have children needs to stop as well, because gosh, when we were doing the podcast, people couldn't believe that I was even on the fence. They were like, but it's, but that's what you're here for. And I just think, no, women do not have to have children to be happy and complete. We can be that without being parents to humans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think your book is amazing. And I honestly, I wish you're a bitch for not writing it sooner because I needed that <laughs> six months postpartum. And um, for anyone that is like in the thick of it and you're like struggling and you're, you're wondering if you're on your own, like regretting things or struggling with any part of it, like maybe, maybe it's just a brilliant book and it's like in typical you fashion, it's like funny as well. And I think it's amazing. And I'm just so happy that you've come on the podcast and thank um, you. I even want to talk about C-sections, but we've not had time because I've got to go now. <laughs> I've got to go and do a radio show. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. Thank no, you for let's, me. let's try and have a play thank date with our baby. This is my mum brain. No, thank you for having me on my podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, let's try and have a play date with our babies and try not to talk about mum stuff. I'd love I'd that. I guarantee you will last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. I feel like it'd be like drink every time you don't talk about your kids. <laughs> We won't drink, right? Um, we'll be sober by the end of it. Thank you so much, and um, thank you. I'll speak to you soon. So obviously, Kate had a radio show to record, and I was on edge about Alf. So um, I wanted to just let her go and check in on Alf. But now, obviously, I wanted to read out one of your guys' questions. Hiya. I absolutely love your podcast. Um, I listen to it religiously. I found that it's really helped come to terms with certain emotions that I've had as a first-time mum and made me feel a bit normal, actually. So I've got a baby boy called Mason who has just turned seven months. We started the weaning journey a little while ago, but we're ramping it up now. So my question is, how did you manage to squeeze in feeding food and naps because i constantly at the moment feel like i'm feeding him either real food or formula i'm unsure of what portion sizes he should be having for his age and i'm a little bit wary of feeding him out the house actual food for lunch so just wondered if you had any top tips regarding portion sizes and feeding outside the house. Thank you. So I would say that I am in no way an expert with with weaning and the whole process of it, but I was very lucky that I was invited to Annabelle Carmel's house and I've used her recipe book pretty much from then and I love it. I've bought a few of them, a few different recipe books and Annabelle Carmel's is the one that I use mainly because I found that it was like 
easy that I'm, I'm not a chef and I'm also not interested with time and everything to make anything too fancy. And this was a really good one. And I actually did a little bit of the purees and like the more solid finger food. But my only advice would be like, don't worry too much because they get most of their nutrition from them. Well, I think they pretty much get all their nutrition from the milk. So I was told just to take the pressure off and to think of it as letting them taste and test and feel and touch food rather than actually eating it. And some babies will want to eat and they'll want to eat loads. And to be honest, Alf wasn't that interested in a lot of food. And it was so demoralizing when I would slave away at my scrambled eggs or whatever it would be. And he wasn't interested, but now he loves his food. And I'm really pleased that I kept just giving him the finger food to touch and I would normally do a little bit of both. So say if I would make, I don't know, like let's say broccoli and spinach and sweet potato puree, I would keep a little chunk of it out for finger foods. And now he's really happy to do both. And I also feel like, again, I'm not an expert, but don't worry about overfeeding them because babies feed when they're hungry. So just have it and offer it and try not to worry so much. And choking, I feel like is such a scary thing. And I think there's some really good like first aid courses out there if you are really worried about that or really good YouTube videos. But what I will say is this is what we are made to do, like to eat. So as long as you follow the advice in the books, Annabelle Carmel's has a selection of finger food and purees and obviously like just pay attention. Like they are pretty good at figuring it out and they do say it's good for them to gag because it gets them used to their gag reflex. But honestly, I feel like every parent is scared at this stage and you just honestly figure it out. So I really hope that helps. Obviously I am no expert, but I hope at least gives you some reassurance and a good little tip on the recipe book. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Kate. I absolutely loved it. I've honestly been so excited to talk to her since reading her book last night. And I feel like even more excited because my 11 year old self, if I knew when I used to watch Big Brother 24 hours a day, if I knew I was going to be doing a podcast episode with her and we'd be mums to one year olds at the same time. I just love those fangirl moments. But if you enjoyed today's episode, then don't forget to leave a review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I am still reading out Apple Podcast reviews as well. If there are questions or comments in there, Obviously, it helps if you give us a five-star rating and helps others to find the podcast. And if you want your voice note read out on the podcast, then get in touch on WhatsApp. I'll leave the number again, which is 75 And yeah, spread the news. If you like the podcast, help reach more people. And I'll be back with another episode, same time, same place next week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.